Welcome to the podcast, Let's Talk Sped Law, a podcast dedicated to discussing special education rights of children with disabilities. I'm your host and special education attorney, Jeff Forte. Now let's talk Sped Law. Hi, everyone. This is attorney Jeff Forte, and I am back here for another episode of the national podcast, Let's Talk Sped Law. So glad that all of you can join us. I'm pleased today to share with you our special guest, Pat Howey. Uh, Pat Howey has led the charge over the last uh, several uh, years, up to 25 years, um, in leading the charge as a non-attorney in special education advocacy. And we're here today to learn about Pat's journey to empower other parents to take on the many roles and hats that Pat has had throughout her tenure in the special education community from parent to advocate to instructor to paralegal. And from all of those perspectives, the journey that she's had in the role of helping on a national basis families with children with disabilities. Um, Pat, I'm gonna want, I wanna give you the floor. I want you to introduce yourself to our audience, please. Well, you've done a pretty good job. I think I paid you well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, number one, I always introduce myself as a mom. That is the most important job that I have. It's the most important role I've ever had. Um, And like most advocates and many parent attorneys, that's how I started out. I started out as a mom of a child who was in special education who wasn't getting the services she was entitled to. And uh, fortunately for me, I I had several mentors that helped me along the path. These were people who had kids who didn't have the benefit of even being able to be in special education because they were they were disabled before the law was even initiated. Can, can you hear me, Jeff? Yes, we can hear you just okay. fine, Pat. Yeah. Okay, because my earphones made a noise, and sometimes they. Sh- I've been on. I've been on Zoom calls now for almost two hours, so I didn't know if their batteries were were running down or not. Okay. Um, but it, but anyway, I was very fortunate to have some other moms who had had kids older than mine, who led me along the way. Um, so that's how I started out. I started out as a mom, uh, went to, unfortunately had to go to a due process hearing with our own child in 1987, ended up in federal court for attorney's fees in about 1990, I believe, I guess we get the decision in 1990, so it must have been around, um, a couple years before that because it was before the statute of limitations of two years or one year, whatever state you're in, came right, about. Right. I was fortunate in that the attorney that handled our due process hearing and was co-counsel in the federal court case allowed me to help him prepare for the hearing. He'd never done a hearing before. He'd never, he had uh, two kids with disabilities and had never done a special education hearing. So he allowed me to uh, prepare exhibits, mark exhibits, prepare for the hearing. Uh, One day I walked in his office and he handed me a book on legal research and he said, here, learn how to do this. And so um, he involved me in the process along the way. And that's what actually developed my love for the law. 
was so so Pat learning you, about it. So you so you started into this journey as you as you mentioned during your introduction as a mom, um, and for many parents out there, you know what we find obviously in in our special ed community is that uh, parents literally get involved from the, you know, from the mom or dad perspective first. At what age, um, if you don't mind me asking, what age did you find out that your, um, that one of your children did have, had a disability? Was it early on um, during their, you know, adolescent years during education or was it more when they were older? Well, this is going to make me sound really dumb, but when my daughter was in kindergarten was her entry into special education. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I did not realize she even had a disability. I just thought she had disconnected tissue disorder. Mm. I didn't even know what disability was. So when she was in kindergarten, when her first IEP was developed, that IEP had one goal. Wow. And that goal was that she would successfully complete the requirements of kindergarten. And I thought it was a wonderful goal. That's what I wanted her to do. Right. Uh, now I look back on that and I think, wow, that's what we call an oops goal. <laughs> right, uh, right. Right. <laughs> the end of the year comes and she didn't fulfill it. So, oops, I guess I guess there was something wrong with that goal. Yeah. But I thought that was a wonderful goal. I mean, when I talk to parents today... Parents today are so much more sophisticated and so much more knowledgeable and so much smarter than I was when my daughter first entered special education. I didn't even know I was going to an IEP meeting. I thought it was a parent-teacher conference. I thought it was a little odd that the speech therapist was there. Um, A year later, I found it a little even more odd to find out that my daughter had a speech IEP, but she had not received one minute of speech therapy throughout her whole kindergarten year. Wow. And back then, we didn't even have the resources at our fingertips, Google and uh, the, you know, the internet and, and the manuals and the books on this. Uh, so you were really starting this rather in, you know, uncharted waters, so to speak, where you, where you really had to learn this as a parent on your own with not, not too much of a manual or a guide. Oh, that we there were there were no books. There was no rights law. Wow. There was wow. not. Well, as a matter of fact, there, there obviously was no internet for most people. Yeah. But I live in the middle of the cornfield. I still don't have very good internet. <laughs> the, the two, these two Zoom meetings that I'm on today will use up two thirds of my entire uh, broad <laughs> internet uh, my speed. entire for the for the whole month. So I still don't have it. But no, we had no resources. Um, I actually met Pete and Pam Wright back in, well, I can't remember the exact year, mm-hmm. but for those of you who are as old as I am, I met them through a thing called CompuServe. You ever heard of CompuServe? CompuServe. No, enlighten, enlighten me. Enlighten the younger folks Compu- on the on the, on the audience. Was the, it was the very first... Um, well, the, the only thing you can compare it to, it was the very first Internet thing, and, and I had a computer at the time where you picked up your telephone and you put it on this little thing, and then you dialed the number, and you connected to the Internet through your phone. And so all green and white, I mean, you know, we didn't, it was not color, it was all words, there were no graphics on it, 
And I actually met Pete and Pam through a conversation on CompuServe. Wow. Um, so you mentioned pa- uh, Peter Wright, Pete Wright, and Pam Wright, um, who are true Goliaths um, of of the special education law community on a national front. Um, publishers of rights law. Um, so why don't you take us through how you started to get involved with the rights law group and you know kind of empowered yourself from parent to almost paralegal in your child's own case with an attorney into the role of um, an instructor through rights law which is where we had the pleasure of of meeting each other correct yeah well like i said i met pete Pam, way back in the days before we even had Windows didn't exist. Windows as an operating system didn't even exist at that time and, and wouldn't for a couple of years. I communicated with them off and on. I actually used to edit and publish a national special education newsletter called Footprint. And I asked them to submit if, if I could use some of their articles. And that's how I got to know Pete and Pam. Um, in 1999, Pete called me and said, there's going to be a meeting that you're going to want to go to. And I said, okay. Um, he, and I said, well, tell me about the meeting. And he said, well, he said, it's a brand new organization. And it's called, it's called the Council of Parent Attorneys and Advocates. And they're going to have their first meeting in Orlando, Florida in, I believe it was 1999. And that actually, at that meeting, was the first time I actually met Pete and Pam face-to-face. But we wow. had communicated over the years. Um, so I met them, also met a lot of the uh, parent attorneys from around the country, a lot of the advocates. Um, and like I said, that was my first actual face-to-face meeting with Pete and Pam. And they asked me to look at some of the books that they were looking at publishing and give some comments on them, me along with several other people throughout the United States. And then when they published the book From Emotions to Advocacy, they asked if I would like to be one of their speakers to present using that book. And at first I said, well, I don't think I can do that. And they said, why not? And I said, well, because I can't tell your stories. And Pete looked at me and he said, well, you have stories of your own. That's what you need to tell. You need to tell your own stories, not ours. And so that's that's how I became on the Speakers Bureau for Rights Law. And I've done that now since 2005. So just to go back to what you mentioned about the Council of Parents, Advocates, and Attorneys, which... For many of our audience listeners, uh, know at, at more commonly referred to as COPA. Um, Pat Howie, you were one of the very first members with Pete Wright to help launch and charter the 2,500 strong membership of COPA. Yeah, I was on the. Uh, Pete and I, I think Pete was, on the first board of directors, along with a lot of the, the older pioneers, Matt Cohen, uh, Valerie Vanneman. Um, the actual founder of COPA was Jim Rosenfeld. Yep. 
Jim, Jim was the founder and the executive director until I think it was about 2001. Okay. And then he went to uh, the University of, he became a law professor at the University of Washington Law School. Um, but he was the founder. There's a lot of misconceptions about who actually founded COPA. Mm. It was Jim Rosenfeld. Pete and I and some of the other people were on the first board of directors. But if it hadn't been for Jim, there wouldn't be a COPA. Wow. So dur- during this process, where did you where did you start to evolve and change from the, the you know the parent role of advocating for your own child's IEP to uh, to to more of a larger role as an advocate for for fellow parents of children with disabilities? Was it during that time that you got involved with Pete and Copa? And no, it was actually before that. Um, actually, our hearing was in 1987. We got the decision in 1988. Uh, and during that time, the attorney that was our attorney for the hearing, I worked with him uh, on cases. I assisted him at hearings. I helped him prepare. I was actually working as a, a paralegal for mm. him. In 1990, I represented, I assisted a parent who represented herself in a hearing. And from 1990 until the uh, Aaron's case in Delaware, I represented parents in due process hearings here in Indiana because there were no attorneys. There were no attorneys doing that. Wow. And I'm not an attorney, but I was better than nothing. Right. So, um, right. That I actually evolved into an advocate. You know, word gets around. Most advocates become advocates because they were successful in getting their own child services. Word gets around. If she was able to do this, call her. Maybe she can help you. Right. So, um, right. That's that's how that started. And I worked as an advocate actually until. Well, I got my degree in paralegal studies in 2001. So um, I worked really hard to get my paralegal degree. And about three years ago, I decided to quit. I sent out letters to all the attorneys in Indiana at that time. I think there were four. And I said, I'm closing my advocacy practice. I'm, I'm going to work with contract paralegal only in the area. A special education, and within three months, I was overwhelmed with attorneys. I was working for four attorneys in Indiana and an attorney in California. This time last year, I guess it was maybe about a year and a half ago, then I was offered the position as a special education paralegal at Hollingsworth Exhibits, which is the time that's where Catherine Michael worked. Uh, she and two of the other partners now started their own firm called Canal Michael Kerr in Carmel, Indiana. So I'm now a special education paralegal there. They just opened the room. That's what they did. That's great, Pat. Um, so really, the, 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 the roles in which you've changed um, have really all focused on you know, getting back to where you said, you know, when you introduced yourself, that first and foremost, you're a, you're a parent first, and really, that's what 
uh, served as the catalyst for for you getting into this as as a profession, as well as into helping other children. Um, you know, I, I I'd love to talk with you briefly about your role as an instructor because obviously your success in working with your own daughter and with your clients, both as an advocate and a paralegal, is one thing. But really, on a systemic level. Um, you have helped to mentor and educate other people, other up-and-comers that are interested in this area through your work with um, the Rights Law Speakers Bureau as well as with the College of William and Mary Law School. Um, can you talk with us and our audience members a little bit about that? In about 2008, I believe Pete and Pam were adjunct professors for the special education class at the College of William and Mary. And they actually asked me to come in one day and present to their special education attorney class, which I did. I did a presentation that, that's a, a keynote that I've done several times called uh, Walking Through Fire, which actually is what parents of kids with uh, special needs who are in special education do every day of their lives. They walk through fire. And some of them come out unscathed on the other side. Some of them are destroyed by the fire. But anyway, two years later, then Pam called me. Pam Wright called me and she said, Pat, we're thinking about starting this special education institute in the summer and we'd like for you to be one of the presenters. And so obviously I said yes, and so 10 years now I've been a presenter at the College of William and Mary Law School Institute of Special Education Advocacy, and I'm trying to think we have anywhere from 30 to 70 students a year, so we've trained a lot of attorneys and advocates. So um, anyway, it was designed for advocates after the first year we had attorneys who were writing and wanting to get in. And so we opened it up to attorneys new to special education, new attorneys and law students. And since then, since the second year, our classes have been mixed with advocates and attorneys because we feel it's very important for advocates to be able to network with attorneys, for them to be able to work with attorneys, for them to follow the same ethical codes that attorneys do, because that's one of the things that we really, really, um, really try to focus on is ethics, because there are no standards of ethics for advocates. And now, and now you're continuing, and your role as a paralegal, as well as, um, as well as in your instructional services for for rights law, which is which is after 40 years of experience in educational advocacy, you're, you're really uh, you're paying it forward by helping the next generation. Yeah, because I don't know if a lot of people know this, but every instructor at the Institute volunteers their time. None of us get paid to be there. We donate a week of our time to teach things to novices, advanced advocates, new attorneys. It's just, that's how we pay it forward. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you so much for joining us for our uh, episode with Pat Howie. 
uh, the many roles that a non-attorney can lead in the charge with special education advocacy, from parent to advocate to instructor to paralegal. Uh, Pat Howie, thank you so much for joining us today. And for the folks that are listening, stay tuned for the next episode of Let's Talk Sped Law next week. Thank you.